We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What is going on, everybody? Welcome into LakersNation.com post post game show. The Lakers win tonight, beating the Portland Trailblazers, and they keep their undefeated or yeah, their undefeated streak alive at home tonight. They have not been beaten at home, and the Lakers will look to continue that when they play the is it Sacramento or is it? I already forgot who we played. Hold on one sec. It's Sacramento. Come Tuesday night. No, it's Memphis. That's who it is. See, shame on me. When they take the Memphis on the Memphis Grizzlies. So there is your master lock of the night. Master lock me forgetting who the Lakers play on Tuesday night. But like I said, this is the LakersNation.com post postgame show where we dive into all the advanced analytics and X's and O's from tonight's game, talking about what worked, what didn't work, and what things the Lakers may, do, may need to adjust from a schematic or analytical standpoint. So we have a fun, to- uh, fun time tonight. I think this was a fun game to kind of break down. And, yeah, let's have some fun. Um, the Lakers, like I said, they are now won two in a row. They've won back-to-back two big wins, uh, beating the beating the Phoenix Suns on Friday night and then beating Portland. You have a real opportunity here to build some momentum and build a streak going where I look at the next five games, Memphis, Sacramento, Portland, Utah, Dallas, and I'm like, um, excuse me, Memphis, Sacramento, Portland, Houston, Utah. I look at those next five games. I'm like, yeah, the Lakers could win five straight games. They could definitely do that. But this Lakers team could also go like one and four. So they have to establish a little bit of consistency here with these next five games. Because right after that, you have a three-game, like, just gauntlet, in my opinion. And Dallas, Cleveland, and Philly, Philly and Cleveland uh, on the road as you know the kickstars to your four game road trip and your seven no uh yeah hold on nine ten out of 12 games are going to come on the road starting with cleveland on november 25th so we're going to need to try to put together some momentum and try to you know get some wins rolling but like i said there is legitimate optimism i think about this lakers team about D'Angelo Russell, about Austin Reeves, who I have loved coming off the bench. Anthony Davis was spectacular per usual. I mean, really, he's had 
what one bad half of basketball this season when he was healthy. And outside of that, I'm not really counting that, you know, uh, Phoenix game to his performance because outside of that, man, Anthony Davis has ruled this season. He's been one of the better players on the planet. I don't think it's being talked about enough. Take a quick look and see if the Lakers uh, rating, like offensive rating, defensive ratings changed yet. Nope. The Lakers are 23rd, 10 games in. So this is kind of the 10 game like analysis, right? This is a lot of teams like benchmarks for, you know, when you can start having analysis and feedback on this Lakers team. So take a quick sip. But Aaron, we're going to talk about where this Lakers team is at 10 games in and what, what we do know and what we don't know. I didn't think about this. I'm kind of thinking on the fly here. But what we do know and what we don't know about this Lakers team, right? We're going to chat about that. So first, like I said, Lakers are ranked 23rd, 10 games in. In terms of defense, of terms of offensive rating, in terms of defensive rating, the Lakers are 22nd. So they're a very mid-team through 10 games of the season. Now I'm going to provide a slight grain of salt to that and say that the Lakers have still not played with their best perimeter defender on the floor. And they have still not played with the with their uh second no, it's sorry, not the second, their best guard perimeter defender. So I do want to, well, they haven't played with them in a while. Uh, this is a Celsius, it's not an actual drink. Um, they had to play with their best guard defender in a few in a little while now, and they haven't played with their best perimeter defender in a while. The Lakers are 24th in net rating. They are in terms of offensive rebounding percentage. This is the worst offensive rebounding team in the NBA in terms of defensive rebounding percentage. The Lakers rank 22nd. So we're seeing just a lot of mid-categories now. Something good for the Lakers. They are fifth in terms of turnover percentage. So they are really taking care of the basketball. And it starts with their point guard, who I'm going to talk about in just a sec. They are 18th in effective field goal percentage. The Lakers are 16th in true shooting percentage. The Lakers are 22nd, 22nd in pace. Oh, man. So, yeah, this is a very, so far, if you look at, like, the advanced, just, like, NBA stats, right? This is a very mid-team, right? Through 10 games, right? Uh, Once again, effective field goal percentage, 18th. Free throw rate, the Lakers are third still. So they are still one of the best teams in the NBA in terms of, you know, getting to the free throw line, which is which was a, a big part of this Lakers offense last season. They are 18th in opponent effective field goal percentage. They are first in opponent free throw rate. So this is still basically the best team in basketball in defending without fouling and get to the free throw line. Like that is a big big point of uh, a big part of this Lakers identity number one in free throw rate uh it's bucks one two uh magic two Lakers three and the gap between like the Lakers and five is pretty massive the Lakers are at 0.311 the Suns who are five are at 0.293 opponent turnover percentage is probably one of the one of the knocks on the Lakers defense it kind of was the same last year like they don't Force turnovers that much. They're 18th in, in opponent turnover percentage. And the Lakers, they give up a ton of offensive rebounds, which you already know, right? So that is just like some like four factor data for you guys, right? Uh, we got a super chat for you, right? Quick face reality Russell West Brick, <laughs> James Hardhead are 0 4. Haha. Yeah, seeing the Clippers suck is awesome. It's very, very fun to watch that Clippers team. Um, but what, what do we know about this Lakers team? So let's take a look. 
Uh, also, the Lakers transition or just their offense in general. I'm going to share my screen. And we're going to break down some of the like synergy data for this Lakers team this season. So the Lakers thus far, we want only regular season. If you look at the regular season, this is a really, really good transition offense. In terms of usage of transition offense, they have roughly are 14th in terms of possession transition possessions a game. They are in terms of transition field goal percentage. This is the second best transition offense, like in terms of field goal percentage in transition. This is the second best team in terms of points per possession in transition. This is again, this is the sixth best team. So this is a really, really good transition offense in terms of transition defense. This is once again, a really, really good transition defense. They are seventh in terms of points per possession allowed in transition. And they don't really allow transition attempts either. In terms of possessions per game and transition, the Lakers are 22nd in terms of opponent. Or hold on, let me make this a little bit better. The Lakers allow the ninth fewest transition possessions per game in the league. So they are... What, what, what did I say? Seventh for offensive possessions? Is that right? No, 16th. So I think that is one thing. that that That's one thing that we can say. Oh, yeah, I, I disrespect the camera. I forgot. Camera is technically a guard. Um, that's one thing we know about this Lakers team for sure for, through 10 games. I think. I think the Lakers are a good transition team, right? And... This is also this also plays into the rebounding stuff because of the fact that the Lakers are a good transition team on both ends. They're a good transition defense and a good transition offense. I think that's why they are not a good, you know, defensive or excuse me, offensive rebounding team. The Lakers have made a can, you know, uh, a cognitive. I don't even know if I'm using the right wording right now but they have made a concerted effort that's a better word that i know i'm using correctly they're making a concerted effort right now on the offensive black on their offensive glass to say no we're not gonna worry about that we're gonna get our butts back on defense right and we're gonna build the wall and transition stop the ball keep the ball out of the middle protect the rim and that's how we're gonna be defensively in transition which is a massive step up where this Lakers team was not a good transition team last season. Now, once again, the Lakers did a fairly good job at, you know, limiting those opportunities, right? The Lakers last season in turn, uh, hold on, wait, I want regular season so we can keep it fair. In terms of regular season and playoffs last season, the Lakers allowed the fourth most transition opportunities in the NBA last season, 20.2 transition possessions. A game in the Lakers last season, they ranked 19th in terms of points per possession. But, I mean, in terms of, yeah, point, point per possession on that, which is actually pretty all right, right? But they allowed way, way too many possessions on, you know, in, in transition, right? But this season, the Lakers are saying, you know what? No, we're not going to be this great offense rebounding team. Let's be this great transition team where we're going to get on and run and we're going to get plays to transition be dynamic and we're going to be 
a really, really good transition team. Like, you're not going to be able to get behind us, right? And I think that's going to be pivotal when you face a team like a Denver in the playoffs, hopefully. Or when you play a, you know, one, one of these high-power transition offenses. That's key. Because the Lakers, I mean, right now, uh, if you look at, let's see, let me pull my screen back up. I'm curious, who is the number one transition offense? Number one transition offense as far as the points per possession right now is the Toronto Raptors, right? But you play Dallas in two weeks, right? Which is the ultimate test, in my opinion, right? That's a big test, not the ultimate test, but it's a really, really big test when you play Dallas in a couple of weeks. And again, I really want Vando back for that game. If there's no other game that Vando could come back for, it's November 22nd when you play Dallas. Get Vando back for that game, please. So that's not even in two weeks. That's nine days from now, right? And that's going to be a big test for your transition defense. It's going to be a big test for your half-court defense, right? And that is the, not the second thing I kind of want to talk about. This Lakers defense is a good hedging team and a good switching team. This is not a good drop coverage team. So please, for the most part, stop running drop coverage. It's not working. Not with this team. Last year's team made a ton of sense to go drop coverage. This year's team just doesn't make sense. Last year's team had the opportunity, uh, had the opportunity to, you know, go drop because they had the screen navigators. Dennis Schroeder was a really, really good screen navigator. Austin Reeves was a lot better of a screen navigator uh, last season, right? Than he is this season. Although tonight, I'm going to give Max's, uh, excuse me, Austin Reeves' credit. This was probably Austin's best game, I think, from a screen navigation standpoint, from at least the, the stuff that I, I saw tonight. Now, maybe I'll watch on a film review tomorrow. Dilo's not the best screen navigator. Dilo's not a bad chaser, but on-ball screen navigation, eh, not really. He takes some really bad angles. Right, Bando, we know is not a good screen navigator. Gavins is not the best screen navigator, right? So we just name off all these dudes that aren't good screen navigators, but for the most part, all those dudes I just mentioned were are like fairly good like helpers. Like Torian Prince isn't a good screen navigator either, but guess what? Torian Prince is a really good helper. Uh Gavins is a really, really good off-ball guy. You know, Bando is pretty much great almost anywhere except. You know, like I said, just screen navigation, right? And by and that's why the bigger lineups have worked a lot more this season, and why we saw it tonight. Where when the, I promise you, like, go watch that Clippers game late. Go watch both Suns games late. When the Lakers have played a little bit bigger, right? Cam Rash is a good screen navigator. I give you that. I think Cam is a good one. He's not an elite one, but he's a good one. When the Lakers have hedged these elite players. Kawhi, PG, KD. Oh my God, especially KD. They have had KD in hell when they've hedged them. I'm sorry for swearing, I suppose, but they've had him in hell. Then I do it again. But when this team has hedged and therefore played with more size, their ball screen defense has been so much better. It doesn't, it's, it's like insane how much better they've been this year. Where last year, again, I couldn't say that about this Lakers team because it just simply wasn't true, right? When this Lakers team hedged last year, it got them beat, literally. Go watch game two, second half against the Golden State Warriors and the entire series before the series started, 
myself and a bunch of Trevor, the whole Laker Nation crew, a bunch of you know other Laker content creators, we were saying, yeah, let's maybe not blitz Steph Curry and not hedge Steph Curry ball screens. And the Lakers did that for some stupid reason. They hedged Steph Curry ball screens in the second half. And Steph and the Warriors blitzed us and turned what was a 10-point game. It's still probably a loss, just like the flow of the game. To, if I recall correctly, a 25-point blowout where the Lakers really never stood a shot in the second half, right? This season, when the Lakers have played their traditional drop, they have been getting blitzed. It's like the opposing offenses have just gotten whatever they wanted because it's like 80 in a drop, and it's, you know, Austin or D'Lo navigating a screen, and they don't do it well enough. So AD has to step up a bit higher. And the whole point of playing drop coverage, if you have an elite screen navigator and an elite big like AD, then the idea is, okay, cool. We can just keep this action two-on-two. We don't need to send backside help, right? But what happens is AD has to step up a lot higher than he probably should, and a big is able to get right behind Anthony Davis as a wild-open dunk, right? Which, again, just didn't happen as much last season. If you tag on the, off the corner, off the shooters or whatever, that's why I put three. But when this team has hedged, this is, again, a way better ball screen defense. And it's why I'm going to pull it up here right now for you guys, which is why you look at this Lakers team's ball screen defense and how synergy does it is a little bit weird. I will, like, preface that, right? How synergy does their ball screen defense is kind of, like, funky looking, right? But. When the defense commits, and that's like essentially like a switch, a hedge, a blitz, not necessarily a blitz, right? Because they have like traps and stuff right here, right? But like a switch, a hard hedge, a soft hedge, etc. right? The Lakers give up only 0.97 points per possession, right? Opposing teams shoot 43.9% from the field. Opposing teams, like shot quality and like what they actually shoot points per shot times, it's right around where it should be. And they force 18, like it's an 18.5% total rate. They're, they already are really, really good defending without fouling. Anyway, they give up some threes, sure, right? But they're protecting the rim. They have additional rebounding help, right? So if you look at that, right, in terms of usage, uh, I'm looking at offense. That's not what I want. Right? When we look at it, defense, right, look at usage, right, it's not that high. Right, they're so far like the 21st ranked team in terms of possessions per game, 22nd, right? In terms of how much they're use, actually using this, right? But in terms of points per possession, they're 10th. This they had the opportunity, man, to be one. The oh my god, the the magic. I mean, no, the Mavericks are sixth. Wow, gotta dive into their film. Um, and chat, let me know if you got. I, I'm considering doing like a film breakdown on the site breaking down and like doing a scouting report for that dallas game that's a really really big game in my eyes but um this lakers team is fine and i think that's and that, i think that's kind of where i settle it right now right austin reeves is, is getting back in the form right? i want to talk about austin and delo delo has just been solid and i had a take and i'm going to share my take about delo in a second but delo's just been solid LeBron has been really, really good for the most part. Anthony Davis, when he's been healthy, has been dominant. It's now the role players. Like, with Austin being, like coming back into form, especially coming off the bench, with Ruri starting to get back into a form, you're missing Vander, you're missing Gabe, 
Like I feel pretty all right about this Lakers team. I'm not gonna lie. And five and five is a way better spot than two and eight, and ultimately two and ten last season. I just need to see this team healthy, but I still feel good about this Lakers team being the team that I said back in September would be the team that's going to win a championship. And I stand by that for right now. And that's without me seeing this team healthy. So I'm standing by this team. I feel really, really good about them. I think there's a lot of stuff to actually be optimistic about. We still have not seen a positive shooting game. The Lakers hit four threes tonight and beat a team that hit four. 15 threes and they won they won right so without lebron james without jerry vanderbilt without k benson right so i that's kind of my mini spiel i still feel good about this lakers team i think there's a ton of stuff to be optimistic about personally all right and cam reddish's defense is like one of them cam reddish has ruled the past three games he's been so good so good Speaking of Cam Reddish, uh, Cameron says, do you see a lineup with Reddish and Vando? It would have to be Reddish and Vando with, like, Christian Wood on the floor. One of your shooting guards, like, what, what, like D'Lo or Austin on the floor. Maybe you can go D'Lo, Cam, Braun, Vando, Christian Wood, maybe? Oh, that's kind of a stretch. That's kind of a stretch, in my opinion. But like, that's 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 the one lineup that kind of makes sense. I'm not going Bando and AD with the lineup of Cam Reddish in it, unless like you're sold on Cam Reddish being a legitimate knockdown shooter. If you are, then okay, that's acceptable. But I'm not, not yet at least, not yet at least, right? So, I think that's the best lineup I can come up with right now. That includes both Cam and Bando on the floor. Hold on, wait, wait, Vando, Cam, let's go Austin. Yeah, I don't want to put AD on the floor in that lineup personally. So, uh, all right, let's see what else we got here in the chat. B says Isaiah Jackson, Indiana fits into LA's trade exception or TPE. Uh, do you think they'd give him uh, for seconds? They have a ton of bigs, if not a different center making 2.8 million you could think of. I have one big that I've just been so much in fun uh, in love with, but I don't think you're gonna be able to get him. And it's Nick Richards. I don't know how much he's played this year, actually, but I was watching his film back in the summer, preparing for my preseason power ranking series for the front office show, and I was just enamored with Nick Richards. Man, he is so fun, and actually, yeah, he's having a good year. He's leading the Hornets in blocks, 8.1 points, six rebounds a game, two stocks a game, leading the team in blocks, 1.6 blocks. He's fun. He's like the tra he's your traditional big, right? He doesn't really have a post game necessarily. He's like a lob threat. He's actually like poor man Zubach, maybe. Nah, no, 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 ignore that. But good shot blocker, really, really good play finisher. He has had 16 against the Knicks. He had 15 and 7 against the Wizards the other night. He had 10, 8, and 4 blocks against the Rockets uh, last week. Like, he's good, man. I love his game. And I, I really want to see him, like, in a different situation. Yeah, that sucks. He's not like a 3 for 15. And they're playing him, too, which, I mean, good for him. 
because he's good. He's good. Let me see that the Hornets minutes distribution. So they're playing. Are they playing all those bigs? Yeah, Mark is playing. PJ, they're starting Mark and PJ. That's actually interesting. Terry must be hurt. Yeah, they're starting Mark and PJ. It's probably the only way you're going to be able to do it, though. With, like, make everybody happy, happy. But Nick Richards is my guy. I love him a ton. He's, he's one of my favorite players. When I, when I first watched him, he just popped out on film to me, man. One of the best. Yeah, I, I, I love him. Uh, what's your opinion on Cameron comparing, comparing himself to Paul George? Chad, that missed <clears throat> that missed something. When did <laughs> see choked up? When did when did Cam Rush compare himself to Paul George? When did that happen? We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Tonight? He didn't? Oh, okay. He didn't. I was about to say. <laughs> I was about to say that uh that would have been that would have been kind of funny. I was like, okay, buddy. All right, bud. Calm down. Calm down. You've been playing really, really good. You've been playing really, really good the past two games. But like Paul George is crazy. Um, I'm trying to like find an an element of how that can be. Like the only way you can even like make this argument is the versatility as a defender. But Paul George is like legitimately like there isn't at his best when he's like really defending. I don't think there's a weakness in Paul George's perimeter defense. I think he's a good off ball chaser. I think he's a good point of attack guy. I think he's, I think he's a really, really good screen navigator. Like, so even that I don't love Cam Reddish's activity off the ball. And they have a similar build. They have a similar build. They're both athletic. Paul George is way more athletic. I think Paul George is more athletic though. So I'm not even going to say that. So yeah, I don't, I don't really understand the uh, Paul George comparison. Whether it was the media or whether it was Cam Rush. I hope it was a Cam Rush. All right. So I'm going to give you guys my, my D'Angelo Russell take. We are 10 games in. And first, I want to hype up D'Lo. I, I think I said a, a few weeks back that he was at, maybe not a few weeks back, but uh, I said a little while ago, 
at one point he was at 2.7 rim attacks per 75 possessions. I was like, D'Lo, I need more. I need more. I need more just downhill attacks to the rim, right? And to give D'Lo his, his flowers in terms of turnovers per 75 possessions, he's been money. Only 1.8 turnovers per 75 possessions. He's really, really taking care of the ball right now, which, like I said, is one of the reasons why the Lakers are one of the best teams that, you know, take care of the balls because their point guard is really, really good at taking care of the ball, right? And I will give him this. He has really, really diversified his offensive game. What I mean by that is he's not this – he's still not this great driver. He's not like a Halliburton or a Maxi or, a you know, one of these other drivers, right, or one of these other guards that, like, can legitimately get to the rim almost whenever they want. But he's at 3.3 rim attacks per 75 possessions. And the last time I checked, it was at like 2.6. So I'm just looking for progress. And we're seeing that with D'Angelo Russell, right? He's at 5.9 mid-range attacks per 75 possessions, which I like a ton. That's one of D'Lo's of things, like bright spots. It's like he is a legitimate mid-range shooter where he is shooting so far this season 50% on mid-range pull-up jumpers which is so freaking tough. He is doing an incredible job on these mid-range pull-up jumpers, and that has been a legitimate method of offense for D'Angelo Russell this season, where he's at um, 5.9 mid-range attacks for 75 possessions, and then he's at 5.6 three-point attacks per 75 possessions, and this is where my criticism comes in for D'Lo, because I think D'Lo is leaving legitimate like just food on the table where he can't hit open threes right now, or he can't hit pull up threes even right now, which is the biggest he's shooting like 28% from three right now. And I'm not panicking or whatever. Right. But this is the thing right now that I think is really messy from Delo's game. Cause Delo is a good finisher. When he get when he actually gets to the rim, he is a good finisher. He's at 68.4% at the rim on the season. Right. He is a good finisher. This is his highest uh, percentage of shot attempts at the rim, potentially of his career. Last season for Minnesota, before he got here, it was at 17%. With the Lakers, it was actually, so last year was 27%. With Timberwolves the year before that, 19%. Timberwolves the year before that, 17%. Timberwolves after the trade, 12%. Uh, Warriors, eleven percent of it. Like we're only getting worse here, right? Eighteen percent is last year in Brooklyn. All right, this could be the last one. I do his first year in Brooklyn, twenty three percent. So in the past, since he left LA the first time, the only time he's ever had twenty percent or more of his like overall shot attempts being at the rim was last season and half a year with the Lakers, and this year. And the first year in Brooklyn, right? He's a legitimately good finisher when he actually gets there, right? He doesn't have, like, enough of a floater right now. The pull-up midi, like I said, is there. 50% on pull-up mid-range jumpers this season, right? And just mid-range jumpers in general, right? But deals even a ton on the plate right now. 28.6% from on pull-up threes. I mean, from, from three. And he's shooting 19% on pull-up threes like D'Lo. Like, the, if we could just somehow mesh together, give me Minnesota D'Lo from last year jump shooting-wise 
but let me keep this aggressive, not even aggressive, but this good finisher, really, really good mid-range jump shooter. Let me get this version of D'Lo. Let me just, like just mesh those two guys while still being this you know efficient passer and playmaker in the half court where he is one of the few guys that is like actually looking for Anthony Davis on pick and roll opportunities. It feels like at times it's kind of LeBron and it's D'Lo and that's about it, right? So that's really what I want to see. That's what I want from D'Lo, man. Like, can he like get the, the three-point shot back? But the Lakers half-court offense is still like super efficient when D'Lo is like running ball screens, right? So if we filter this out, for only for players that have 10 ball screens or more a game. So there's only 40 guys in the entire NBA that have at least 10 pick and roll attempts per game, right? 10 of them. D'Angelo Russell, in terms of like the, the offense, D'Lo's, like the offense for the Lakers when D'Lo has the ball screen is pretty efficient, right? The only guys higher are some of the best guard play in the NBA. Halliburton, Ant. Luca, B.I., Jamal, Book, DeMar, Fred VanVleet, Tyler Hero, Steph, De'Aaron Fox, Kyrie, SGA. That's the list. So D'Lo has been a super efficient pick-and-roll player this year. And that's something else that I think is really, really beneficial for this Lakers team, right? But the take was, and I said I was going to wait for 10 games to reveal my D'Angelo Russell take. What the take initially was, was that D'Angelo Russell was playing at an all-star level. He was playing at an all-star level. I thought, like I said, he was getting to the rim enough to where he can leverage his ability to get to the rim to help open up easier shots from the perimeter. And the only problem right now is that he's just not hitting anything from the perimeter. He's just not. Where D'Lo right now, he is shooting on pick and roll attempts. D'Lo hasn't hit a three on uh, out of a ball screen all year. Like, like that can't happen. So that was going to be my take about D'Lo, man. I thought for a certain point, D'Angelo Russell was playing at an all-star caliber level. I thought... Like, that was, like, for a certain stretch, I said D'Angelo Russell was never going to get back to an all-star caliber level. And I thought for an eight-game stretch, for the most part, like, preseason, and then for the first few games, I thought I was like, yeah, okay, D'Lo, you got me, right? You're you're balling right now. You've been a super efficient passer. You're getting to the rim a little bit more. Not a ton, right? But you're just, like, leveraging it enough, right? And I, I don't know, I thought he was playing at a really high level, personally, right? He has 11 points, five boards, 11 assists tonight. But again, the three-point three shot has to start falling, man, because he's taking a ton of good looks. He just is. 20, he helps you beat the Magic the first time. 28 points, eight, eight assists. He helps you beat the Clippers, 27 points, six assists, right? 19-9 and nine against, the, against the Suns. Has his first double-double of the year tonight against the against the Blazers. He's good. Kid's good. All right. Last guy I want to talk about tonight is All right, sorry. Is Austin Reeves. And I think Austin Reeves is back, baby. He is back. Let's go. 
AR-15, baby. He's had a bumpy road, to say the least, right through the first few games of the year. It was panic mode, panic mode, panic mode. Austin's the worst player ever. Yada, yada, yada. Right? And all Austin Reeves has done, and this is why I said, I don't think he's, like, taking less, like, tougher shots. The first four games of the year, he averaged 10 points a game on 33% shooting, 25% from three, four boards, three assists, right? And the month of November, he's out, and this is before tonight's game, he's averaged 16 points on 50% shooting, 33% from three, 88% from the line, four boards, six assists, right? And Austin's another guy that is really, really, really doing a great job at, like, again, just being a versatile offensive player where Austin Reeves, he's actually averaging less rim attacks per game than D'Angelo Russell. So Austin gets the rim a little bit more where Austin Reeves, uh, 24% of his shot attempts are at the rim so far. Last season for Austin, he was at 27%. So let's bump that back up, Austin. Let's, let's be a little bit more aggressive against the basket, right? But 2.7 rim attacks per 75 possessions. 5.4 mid-range attacks per 75 possessions, and 5.1 three-point attacks per 75 possessions. That is what I want from Austin Reeves. He's been a good, that's last season, I was about to say something. Uh, Austin Reeves, he is shooting just 21% on pull-up threes. Like, that's got to be better. But he is shooting 40% on pull-up twos. The runner, he's used it a little bit, but he's getting it now, right? So, I think only like more time will tell with Austin. I think he's gonna get better. I think these past couple of games were some of his best games as a playmaker and making the right reads. Where I thought he really, really struggled earlier on in the year. I think he's made the right reads. I think he's really gotten better. Like post Miami game, Miami game on. Really, Clippers game on. He had five turnovers, so he's still really, really sloppy. But I think Clippers game on, he's really, really improved as a playmaker. And I think that's really opened up this Lakers offense even just a little bit more. Just a little bit more. And then even a guy like LeBron James, where he's also just been super, super versatile. I mean, the fact that 38 and a half, he's about to turn 39. He's still been this good as Kind of crazy, right? On um, pull-up jumpers, LeBron shooting 40% on pull-up twos and 36.4% pull-up threes. That's what I need. That's what that's what we want. Now, he's shooting 35% rounding up to get there on, on threes in total, but this is the LeBron James that I think we needed from a jump shooting standpoint because he is still one of the best damn drivers and best finishers in the NBA, still, and I think LeBron James has leveraged that at a high level. He's at 7.2 drive uh, rim attacks per 75, 4.6 mid-range attacks per 75, 5.8 three-point attacks per 75 possessions. All I need for LeBron James to do now is for him to you know, cut down the turnovers. That's all I need for LeBron. But I said we're going to do like what we do know. What we do know about this team is that there is legitimate potential for this to still be one of the better defenses. They are a really, really good hedging team. They're a really, really good switching team. They are not a good drop coverage team, at least not yet, unless they make a trade for Alex Caruso. I don't really see this team being a good drop coverage team, right? 
I think we know that our guard play is inconsistent, but when they are playing well, you still you have a really, really good backcourt that I think does a lot of stuff for you that they still complement each other for. You have two guys that, in theory, are really good shooters that can play make. It's just more about making the right read and take care of the ball with those two dudes, right? And can they be effective drivers and really getting to the rim? That's another thing that I think we is still kind of the jury out on that for Austin and it, well, Austin to play making the driving ability specifically for Delo. And can we get the catch and shoot? Not the catch and shoot, the pull up three point game for both of those guys to really come around all the way. I think we know LeBron James is still probably the fifth best player in basketball, if not higher. I think. My top five right now will go in order. Jokic, Steph, Giannis, Luka, LeBron. I think that's my top five. Um, he's been so good. And I think defensively, we're going to say, oh, no, LeBron's a bad defender. I think when LeBron's locked in defensively, he's a positive defender at the very least, right? AD's been a top 10 player for almost the entire year. Take out one bad half of basketball against Denver in a game where he's coming back from a painful injury. Like, 80s, 80s, great. I think the rebounding is definitely something they, they just got to figure out. And, yeah, overall, the, the offense is slowly, like, it's a slow burn, like, face turn. This offense is slowly starting to figure it out as well. But in, in all totality, right, this Lakers team, in my opinion, are going to be just fine. I think – Give this team time to really, really get healthy. I promise you this team's going to be good. This is, again, still the team that I think can win it all. LeBron James healthy. Austin D'Lo backcourt. I mean, hopefully make a trade for uh, another player. DeMar DeRozan, question mark, right? But I, I do think that this is a really, really good Lakers team. I, I do feel that way. But Lakers Nation, that is going to wrap up things for tonight's game. We didn't talk a ton about tonight's game, but we are 10 games in, so I want to spend a ton of time diving into the analytics about this team 10 games in. I think we're starting to get a really, really good sample size for this Lakers team. We need Vando back. I really want to evaluate. I really can't evaluate this defense in its totality until we get Vando back. But, chat, let me know your thoughts in the comments down below. Make sure you guys subscribe here to the Lakers Nation YouTube channel. Ring that post notification bell as well. Let me know if you guys want me to do that um, Dallas Mavericks scouting report. I, I would actually be totally into it, but uh, I, I, I really want Vando back. Um, Cal Drago did his top five in the chat. Jokic, Embiid, Giannis, Braun, Luka. I think Steph is better than Embiid. But, like, if you rearranged my five players for the most part, I really wouldn't care. I just think that those are the five best players right now. I think there's a couple other guys on the, on the cusp. But I think those are the five best players. But anyway, guys, sorry I don't want to hold you guys any longer. Appreciate you guys for hopping in. Make sure you guys like that. Hit that subscribe button and like the video so we can push this out to as many people as possible. But till next time, everybody, have a good night. Stay safe. We'll see you guys on Tuesday night against the Memphis Grizzlies. See ya. And peace out.